0: Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today in the scripture readings, both Isaiah in the first reading, as well as Jesus in the gospel, they give us an image of what faith actually looks like. They point to the image of a marriage. That's what our faith, that's what our relationship looks like. God wants a relationship with all of us, and it best mirrors that of a marriage. Now, we as Catholics believe that in the sacrament of marriage, a man and a woman come together, and it's an act of self-giving love. Each says to the other, my life is about you. My life is about the love I receive from you and the love that I give to you. And so, that is the level of intimacy that God wants from each and every one of us. God wants that act of self-giving love in which we give ourselves over to God. And at the same time, God gives himself over to us as well as his love. Now, notice at the very end of the first reading from Isaiah, it says, As a young man marries a virgin, so your God will marry you. God wants this self-giving relationship with us. God wants nothing more than to give himself over to us, along with his love. What does God want in return? For us to give ourselves over to him, as well as our love, just like a man and a woman give themselves over to each other in marriage. It continues. It says, As a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so your God will rejoice in you. We have to realize our God, the God that created this entire universe, wants nothing more, seeks great pleasure, rejoices in the fact that we give ourselves over to him. Of all the things that give him pleasure in this world, it's us and our faith, our ability to give ourselves over to him, to give our life to him, and so that he can, in reply, give his life, his love over to us. Notice also in that first reading, it says God will marry us. God rejoices in us. In both those instances, God is taking the active role. We have the passive role. We are the recipients. We have to understand and believe our God is not some far distant God who waits for us to find him. No, not at all. In fact, on the contrary, Our God is a God that actively pursues us, that comes after us, so that he can give himself over to us, and we can give ourselves over to him. Now, I think that sets the tone for the gospel. In the gospel, we have the great story of the wedding at Cana. Now, the story comes from John's gospel. So, from the very beginning, we know that John's gospel is rich in symbolism. We could say that Every word in John's gospel is dripping with symbolism. Now, we know that this is the very first miracle that Jesus performs in his public ministry. And I think it's very intentional. It's very intentional because Jesus wants to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah that we hear in the first reading. Now, if you look at sacred scripture up and down the Bible, in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, you see God relating our relationship with Him in terms of a banquet, a feast, in which the best of food is served, the choicest wines are drunk. And see, every time that we have a relationship with God, every time we gather for God, it's a festive occasion. It's an occasion that lifts us up. Now, many of us have gone to weddings, and they are very joy filled events. You know, they're filled with good food good things to drink, good music, we dance, we talk to people maybe we haven't spoken to in a long time. And so there are events that lift us up. Well, when we encounter God, every encounter that we have with God is like a banquet. It's like a festival. It's meant to lift us up. It's meant to, you know, boost our morale. And that's what Jesus is getting at. And see, again, it's a great reference to the fact that every time we look at our faith every time we pray or encounter in our faith. It's a moment in which we remember that we are married to God. God is espoused to us. Now, this is very true. If you look at the Gospels, in all four of the Gospels, Jesus from time to time refers to himself as the bridegroom. We, the church, are the bride. But take it to a deeper spiritual and symbolic level. Jesus himself embodies the marriage of humanity and divinity. Jesus, when he is born into this world, he's born with a divine nature and a human nature. So, in the person himself, Jesus is the marriage of both divinity and humanity. Now, get back to the story. We come to the story of the wedding and we find out there's something wrong. They're running out of wine. Now, what we have to recognize is the weddings of our time are far different from the weddings of the ancient world. In our time, weddings happen in a matter of hours. We go to the church for the ceremony, we go to the reception, the dinner, and after just a few hours, the whole thing is wrapped up, it's finished. But not in the ancient world, no. Instead, weddings in the ancient world went on for two, even three days. And so, it's very easy for the host to run out of food or wine, depending upon the number of guests. Now, this was a cause of great embarrassment, not just for the host, but also for the bride and the groom. Now, I don't know if you picked up on it, but who notices that they're running out of wine? It's Mary. Of all the people, it's Mary. She's a guest. She shouldn't be preoccupied with how much wine is being served. You know, this is the job of the head waiter, it's his role or responsibility you know, to monitor how much wine there is and is there enough to complete the wedding feast. But he seems oblivious to it. Now, why is Mary, why is she preoccupied with that? I think St. John Chrysostom gives us a great answer to that question. He says, Just as Mary intervened on behalf of all the people at the wedding, so she intervenes for us on behalf of all of our needs for her heavenly prayers. You know, when you stop and think about that, it's beautiful. Mary intervened on behalf of all the people at that wedding. She wanted to help them. Well, she continues to intervene for us, you know, for all of our daily needs in her heavenly prayers for us. You know, that just is so beautiful. But again, look at this story at a very spiritual or symbolic level. When she says they are wine, running out of wine, who is the there that she's referring to? Well, it's us. It's the human race, all of humanity. What Mary is saying is the human race is running out of everything that makes us united in God. Everything that used to keep us married or in a union with God, we're running out of. Everything that once preserved the marriage between us and God is, we're running out of that. That's what she's really referring to. Now notice who she tells. She tells Jesus this. Now, Mary logically should tell the head waiter. It's his job. He would be able to procure enough wine for the wedding feast. But she tells Jesus, her son. So what is Jesus going to do? Go out to the nearby liquor store and buy more wine? Hardly. No. She tells Jesus for a very specific reason. Again, take it to a spiritual or symbolic level. She tells Jesus that the humanity, all of the human race, is running out of everything that once preserved the marriage between us and God. Why Jesus? Because she knows Jesus truly is the Son of God. And he and only he can reunite our marriage between us and God. He and only he can preserve that marriage that once existed between us and God. That's why she goes to him. Now, the next thing that she says, she goes to the waiters and she says, do whatever he tells you to do. That's a powerful statement, probably the most powerful statement in all of the Bible. You know, I could give a retreat just on that sentence alone. It's a basic biblical truth. By the very measure in which we do what God tells us to do, By the very measure in which we unite our life to the life of Christ, Christ enriches our life. He intoxicates it. He enlivens it. He gives us purpose and meaning in life. And see, that's what she's getting at. Now, the story continues. Jesus orders, you know, the jars to be filled with water. What is water? Well, it's good for us, but it's ordinary, right? It's tasteless. It's odorless. It has no flavor. It doesn't intoxicate us. Again, take it to a symbolic level. The water represents the things that we can achieve apart from God. What are they? Well, art, architecture, technology, science, fame, fortune, materialism, power. But they're not the ultimate source of good. They don't give us true peace, fulfillment, and meaning in life. They represent whatever we can accomplish apart from God. That's what gives us no flavor, no intoxication. But what do the waiters do? They bring the jars to Jesus. Now, Jesus doesn't just say, hey, fill those jars up and bring them immediately to the waiter. No, they bring those jars to Jesus, and then he turns the water into wine. That's a great spiritual lesson for us all. We must bring everything that we have to Christ. Whatever it is, our will, our intellect, our heart, our mind, our soul— our time, our attention, our prayers, whatever it is, we bring it to God. And what does God do? He transforms it. He makes it alive. He enriches it. He intoxicates it. Now at the very end of the story, this steward tastes the wine and notice it's the very best wine. And he tells the groom, he made a huge mistake. He served the best wine for last. Instead, he was supposed to do just the opposite. Well, what's the implication here? When we give God everything that we have, you know, what does he do? He turns it into the very best, the best of our will and our intellect, the best of our faith, the best of our love for God. And see, that's what is so important. That's what marries us with God. And that's what our marriage with God will always do. Turn us into the very best, the best of our heart, our mind, and our soul, the best of our faith and our love for God. See, that's why this wedding feast of Cana, if you look at it at a very spiritual or symbolic level, it's really the story of our wedding with God and how Jesus Christ is going to restore our marriage with God that was once severed. And may the peace and the grace with Jesus Christ rest upon you always.